Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Second Kings chapter 16, starting with verse uh, number 10 this evening. Second Kings 16 and 10. The Bible states these words. And King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria. And saw an altar that was at Damascus. And King Ahaz sent, and sent to Urijah the priest, the fashion of the altar and the pattern of it according to all the workmanship thereof. And Uriah the priest built an altar according to all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah the priest made it against King Ahaz came from Damascus. That basically means he made it before Ahaz got home. And when the king was come from Damascus, the king saw the altar and the king approached to the altar and offered thereon. And he burnt his burnt offering and his meat offering and poured his drink offering. Sprinkled the blood of his peace offerings upon the altar. And he brought also the brazen altar which was before the Lord from the forefront of the house. From between the altar and the house of the Lord and put it on the north side of the altar. We got two altars happening here folks. And King Ahaz commanded Urijah the priest, saying, Upon the great altar. And I didn't even go that far, so I'll just leave you there because I won't want to leave you hanging. We'll come back to that. Verse number 15. I'll just stop there for our purposes right now. Leave it up to me, and we'll read the rest of the book of Kings. Amen. For a little while tonight, I want to minister along this subject and get your, get your words correct. Altered altars. Okay? The word altered has the... E-R Altars A-R Altered Altars Alright We can just for a little bit tonight The Lord will help us Hallelujah Let's join our voices together Ask God's blessing Upon the remainder of this service Father I come to you tonight I praise you O Lord I thank you Lord for your presence I thank you O Lord for your power I pray O God today Jesus You're able to help us Lord Through the ministry of your word Help us, Lord, to engage again in this, Lord, thematic month of May, Lord Jesus, concerning prayer and praying, Lord, and altars and things of this, Lord Jesus, kind. I pray, O oh Lord, today, God, let everybody's attention, Lord, be upon your word. I know, God, there's half of the work week that has already went by. Some of them are fatigued and tired in their bodies. I pray, O oh Lord, arrest our attention, God, bring into captivity every thought, God, for a little moment of time, God, that we can, Lord Jesus, concentrate upon one, the Spirit may be saved to us this evening in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen everyone say amen amen shake two or three hands around you before you're seated everybody say altered altars altered altars Scripture that we read here this evening, there's a man spoken by the name of Ahaz. Ahaz is the king of Judah that at this time is known as the southern kingdom. 
the southern kingdom had been known for a mix of some good and some bad kings. However, Ahaz seemed to put the cherry on the cake, so to speak. He was uh, deplorably bad, as seen in his portfolio in 2 Kings 16, among the four verses that start the chapter out, introducing this man by the name of Ahaz. The Bible tells us that namely he did not do that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God, and that he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, which would have been the northern kingdom, which the kings of Israel were a line of consistent people who were full of corruptness. The Bible, in speaking of Ahaz, says that he made his son to pass through the fire, basically meaning that he offered him to the idol god of Melech that we have spoke of before, the altar of Melech, uh, whether they know it was of wood or rather of stone or of metal, we know not, but they would build a fire in that idol's tummy and its arms would become very hot and they would lay their living children on those fiery arms to a pagan god and of course would not survive. He sacrificed at such an altar. Lastly, the scripture says in introducing him to us, doesn't really spend much time uh, marking his name in the dirt, but tells us that uh, he, across all the countryside, there were littered among the high places and on the hills and under every green tree, the Bible says, that he had altars where he would sacrifice and burn incense on. And uh, other bad kings that preceded him and came before him uh, did not prevent the people from doing this. But this is the first time that a king, Ahaz himself, is actually being an example of it and leading the people in doing it. Ahaz finds himself now in the scripture setting in very questionable position in our scripture. The Bible says that the king of Syria and the king of Israel has besieged Ahaz and did not, though, overcome him. They were besieging him, but did not overcome him. But Ahaz is a little worried about whether he's going to have the same type of luck the next time. He's worried that perhaps these two kings may regroup and try again. And he's doubtful about whether or not he will remain successful and being able not to be overcome by these two parties. So in doing this, he calls for some help. He calls for some backup, the help of the king of Assyria, a foreign alliance. And he comes and basically subjects himself to the king of Assyria, tells him, I'm your servant, I'm your son. I'm, I'm subjected to you because I need your power. I need your backup. I need your help. And so with the history of the scripture, and we're leading into it, the king of Assyria now goes to bat, so to speak, for Ahaz. And the Bible says that the king of Assyria takes over Damascus and he kills the king of Assyria, takes him down. There's two kings now, one of Assyria, one of of Syria. And so the king of Assyria overtook and killed the king of Syria, which was given Ahaz some trouble. And so now as a result of this victory, as a result of this king going to bat for Ahaz, Ahaz goes to Damascus and it was quite unusual for the king of Judah or of other kingdoms to go to another kingdom Yet this is an official visit to another kingdom. Amen. He's leaving the promised land to go to another kingdom. But it was more than just a visit. 
He was on an official act of submission, if you will, to the king of Assyria. He had made himself his servant. He had made himself his son. And while he was among the the grandeur of the city of Damascus and during his visit, the Bible says that it was there that he saw an altar. Now, 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 Ahaz has seen several altars. We already understand from the foreground that I've painted for you. He has already seen the altar of Molech. He has already utilized various altars that were on high places, under green trees, scattered all across the countryside. But there was something about this altar that caught and arrested the attention of King Ahaz. And it seemed to please him. It seemed to attract him in so much that Ahaz got this bright idea, I want to reproduce this altar. And I want to send back the blueprints and the plans of the pattern and the workmanship and the fashion of this altar. I want to send it back to our priest that's in the temple of Solomon. And I want him to reproduce and make an altar just like this altar in the temple of Solomon. Now, from my understanding, folks, this was not the doings of the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria was not pressing him to have an altar like this back home. He wasn't telling him, if you're going to be my servant or my son, you got to make an altar just like this back in your land, in your area, and you got to adopt our God to worship, our God to serve. That's not the case whatsoever. But it seems like Ahaz of his own appetite desired to have that altar reproduced back in the temple of Solomon. I'd like to say firstly tonight, in classic it is, that you know most things that we do, we were never made to do. Most things that we we do, we were never made to do. We we give the verbiage sometimes, you know, the devil made us do it. Well, you know what? The devil didn't make us do it. The world didn't make us do it. And Ahaz, he's just simply impressed by an altar, by his own appetite that's now detaining his attention. That that new king was not making him do it. But as James 1 says so clearly, I believe Ahaz was drawn away of his own lust and enticed and now wanting to reproduce an altar of another kingdom, of another God, and of another land right there in his homeland in the temple of Solomon. But did not Solomon's temple already have an altar? Wasn't there an altar in the temple of Solomon that was already made after a pattern? That was already strategically located near the eastern entrance of the temple. The Bible tells us we're speaking of two altars here this evening. One that Ahaz wished to reproduce and one that was already settled, one that was already established. That established altar spoken of in Scripture in the temple of Solomon was known as the brazen altar spoken of in chapter 16. The brazen altar in the temple of Solomon. It was huge. Everybody say huge. It was huge. 20 cubits long by 20 cubits wide by 10 cubits high. If we can bring that to a modern measurement, about 30 feet long by 30 feet wide by 15 feet high. Everybody say, that's huge. 
This was a big, this was a huge altar. And it was this altar in the temple of Solomon that would be the first article of approach to God as one would enter into the eastern gate. In other words, in order for one to ignore this altar or pass by this altar, they was going to have to purposefully ignore it and purposefully walk by it. Because as soon as you enter the eastern gate, here's a 30-foot wide, 30-foot long, 15-feet high altar that's standing right before you. The altar that was in the temple of Solomon already established was one that was designed by God, created by God, patterned according to the pattern of God. God had given the pattern to David who gave the pattern to his son Solomon. Amen. And, and Solomon built it just as God wanted it built. It was per God's dimensions. It was per God's use. It was per God's location of where it should be in the temple. Its size and its location made it apparent if you were going to enter the temple of God, it made it apparent that if you're going to approach God, it's going to involve the altar. Someone say amen. It was an altar. Everybody say please. It was an altar pleasing to God. But Ahaz now eyes has fell upon an altar that is pleasing to him. And he's sending back blueprints for the fashion of it. For the pattern of it. For the workmanship of this altar back to the priest. Because he wants one just like it back home he wants instead of an altar that's God pleasing an altar that's Ahaz pleasing instead of an altar that is God's design an altar that is of a different sort and another design and if he had to send back the plans and if he had to send back the blueprints it is evident tonight that the altar that was pleasing to Ahaz was of a different pattern than the altar that was pleasing to God Yet the altar of Solomon had been sanctified by the Lord himself at the dedication of the temple by fire falling down from heaven. The altar that was already established is where fire falls from heaven at the already established altar. See, Old Testament times, sacrifices, whole burnt offerings, all these things were made at the altars and these pleased God. And since they pleased God, it obligated the fire to fall at the altar. Fire fell on the Old Testament burnt offerings. Fire fell on the brazen altar in the tabernacle. It fell on the brazen altar in the temple. Cloven tongues like as fire fell on the day of Pentecost during a prayer meeting that culminated on that day of Pentecost. Can I say tonight that it's not if the fire will fall, but when the fire, it will fall on an unaltered altar. Because the altar that pleases God is the altar that helps you draw near to God. Sadly, the solitary reason for this unaltered altar 
before this altered altar seems to be that it just pleased Ahaz better. Amen. As a result of his wishes, he desired to move the old altar aside and put the new altar in his place. Can I tell us this evening that altars were never made to please those who came to them. Altars were never made to please those who offered on them. Altars were meant to please those to whom they were erected for, who they were built for. When you find an altar that pleases you, it probably doesn't please the Lord. The altar pleasing to God is the altar that has his specifications. The altar that's pleasing to God is the one that has his pattern. Let me tell you, it may be of a different pattern. It may be of a different workmanship than all the other altars around. Amen. It may be at times even visually unattractive, but it serves an ultimate purpose. It is a means of approach to God. Only his altar by his specifications of his size is a means of approach to God. No other altar is going to give you the same approach to the master. No other altar is going to open up the access that you need to the divine except the altar that God has instituted when men alter altars and they vie for something more pleasing listen to me folks Whenever they, they, they want something a little bit more pleasing more conducive to them to their way something that will suit them whenever that begins to take place our sanctuaries become a theater our worship becomes entertainment. Our ministry, like tonight, becomes a performance. And a congregation becomes simply just another audience. Whenever you try to replace the altar that God has devised from the beginning, when you wanted to please you, touch you, minister to you, it wasn't made for that. It was made to please God. It was made to reverence God. It was made that you would commune with God. Striving for pleasure, it'll cause you to obtain it for a season. Even the moment in sin, Scripture says, but in doing so, you'll exchange, you'll exchange all that for something that you already had, an eternity, an evermore in His presence. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians seven fourteen, for the fashion of this world passeth away. It's temporal. It's not permanent. It passeth away. But Israel's relationship to God, listen, throughout the scriptures, Israel's relationship to God was always dependent upon their attitudes and their relationships to their altars. Rebellious, wicked kings always sought to get rid of the altar. People that wish not to somehow coincide with the purpose and the will of God always wanted to get rid of the altar or substitute something else for the altar. But godly kings, righteous kings, always wanted to restore the altar of the Lord, appoint sacrifices there, worship there, and always have a time of national, if you will, restoration and awakening by having the altar there. Because how a people embrace or disengage their altars is how they embrace or disengage their God. 
Not only did Ahaz have a new altar made, but whenever he came home from Damascus, he approached that newly made altar. He offered every offering imaginable upon that altar. He did. Not a priest. He did. Amazingly, Brother Zach McGee, he would have normally depended on a priest for what he was assuming and now doing himself. But see, Ahaz had a different altar. He had a new altar. Ahaz, hallelujah, served as the priest at an altar of his own design. Because whenever you eliminate God's altar in your life, you're moving from being a priestly God-dependent to being self-dependent. The Lord Jesus, the scribes and Pharisees, he spoke to them in his teaching in Matthew 23, verse 18, and said, And whosoever shall swear by the altar, Jesus speaking, it is nothing, but whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Says, so ye blind fools, for weather is greater. The gift, and he gives the answer in his question or the altar that sanctifieth the gift which is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift Ahaz was offering similar if not the same types of sacrifices that he had always offered but now it was on an altar that couldn't sanctify the gift as a matter of fact, Old Testament Scripture tells us in Exodus 29 and 37, it says, whatsoever toucheth the altar, that brazen altar, shall be holy. If you alter then, listen, keep with the different altars, but if you alter the altar, you alter your sacrifice. You alter your worship. Ahaz's new altar had originally been placed between the entrance into that courtyard and the brazen altar that was already established. But now he changes things up. He wants the new altar to be the central piece in that outer court area. And the Bible says he moves the brazen altar aside, moves it to the north, if you will, so that the new altar could have preeminence in the outer court. And I ask ourselves this evening, why, why is it, Brother McGee, so important to follow God's design for an altar? Because God's design has a purpose. God's design has an intent. It shows us what heaven's like. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 8, 5, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for see saith he that thou make all things according to the pattern shoot to thee in the mount the tabernacle of the Old Testament served as an example and a shadow of heavenly things the temple like the tabernacle was after a pattern that God had given both had one altar a brazen altar, which was the first in your approach to God. Whenever we start, listen to me tonight, folks, whenever we start messing with or missing the God-ordained altar, we may be making things more manageable 
smaller, if you will, because it was, or look more appealing. The workmanship, it's, it's a little bit more appealing, but we probably messed up the deeper message at the same time. In doing so, folks, we may have skewed the picture of heavenly things. Someone say hallelujah. Do you realize how much trouble they went through to move the brazen altar? Everybody say it's huge. Do you understand the manpower, the work, that was involved to move a 30 by 30 by 15 foot high altar. We're going to move this thing out of the way because we got another altar that we want to have preeminence. And history says that Assyrian altars were usually smaller. Can I say it like this? They were less demanding. They were usually smaller than the Jewish altars. But here these people are moving the brazen altar. It's huge. Let me tell you, there is trouble on the horizon. Anytime people want to downsize their altar. Notice though, Ahaz didn't totally do away with the old altar. He just replaces it with the new altar. No, he just moved the old altar aside and allowed the new altar to take distinction among the court. See, because replacing an old altar would be too apparent, especially an altar that, where'd it go? Yeah, right. Replacing an old altar would be too apparent. You can't just replace old altars. No, what you got to do, you got to compromise old altars. Old altars still around, yeah. But they'll cease to exist as being noteworthy any longer when you give attention to new altars. Ahaz tells Uriah, the priest, he says, the brazen altar shall be for me to inquire by. Now the word inquire here in the Old Testament scripture, there are different meanings of it. It may indicate that Ahaz was telling Uriah that just set it aside and I'll determine what use we'll have with it later. Just set it aside and I'll figure out what we want to do with it maybe a little time later. We'll just put it over there for now. You ever had one of those episodes, you got a new piece of furniture, just like, just get it out of the way for now and we'll decide where we're going to put it or what we're going to do with it and just put it to the side and we'll, we'll see what we're going to do with it later. But imagine if Ahaz truly had the mentality of one meeting that he thought he would seriously inquire at or by or pray at or by the old altar after he had set up his new altar. Ahaz, who are you kidding, Joe? Because listen, you will not inquire at an altar you do not worship. You will not inquire at an altar you do not worship at. And already as soon as Ahaz has come home, every sacrifice imaginable has he placed on the new altar. Even after that, he gave clear declaration to the priest Uriah. From now on, the morning and the evening sacrifice be done on the new altar. The sacrifice of the people, my own kingly sacrifices. Let it be done at the new altar. What are you saying? I'm saying here is Ahaz. He's already worshiping at the new altar. Don't think for a moment he's going to inquire or pray at the old altar when he's already worshiping at a new altar because you will not inquire or pray at an altar you do not worship at.
King Jeroboam. He snatched the nation of Israel. Whenever during his reign he built two golden calves, one at Bethel, one at Dan. They want the people to go to Jerusalem to sacrifice, to worship. So I was putting them at Bethel and Dan. Now the people, instead of going to Jerusalem, where are they going? They're going to Bethel. They're going to Dan. They're going to where these golden calves, altars, if you will, are. They're sacrificing and they're worshiping rather than traveling to Jerusalem. Jerome, here is Jeroboam. He's very intelligent in this matter because he knew if he could get people worshiping at an altar, then they won't pray or inquire at any other altar because you will not pray in an altar you don't worship. People typically pray at altars they worship at. If you stand with me tonight. Altered altars will alter people, alter churches, alter nations, alter lives. Second Chronicles 28 and verse 23, and I'm closing, Brother Mason, you can come. The Bible says, for he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus. This is speaking of Ahaz. Which smote him, and he said, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped him, therefore will I sacrifice unto them that they may help me. But all these things that Ahaz had done, pulling out for these other gods, building other altars, and even the altar that he replaced in replacing the brazen altar. But they were the ruin of him and all Israel. Later in the same chapter, Ahaz, look what happens. This is, this is what happens when you alter altars. Later in the same chapter, Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God, he cuts them in pieces. He destroys them. Not only that, the scripture bears out that he shuts the doors of the house of God. Shuts the doors of the house of God. In other words, he locks the house of God. Why? Because he didn't want anybody, not just himself. He didn't want anybody even thinking about consulting an old altar that was behind those doors. All comes from altering altars. This altar is open tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.